Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. for coming tonight to um, share in the passion of my heart, which is children's ministry combined with parenting. Um, My name is Melissa Minter, and I am first and foremost the mom of two of the most brilliant, wonderful little girls, I think, on the planet. They are ages six and seven, my Laura and Leah. And uh, when I am not busy, or as I am busy being their mom, I am also our volunteer children's pastor at Central Community Church in Chatsworth, Georgia, and kind of oversee what happens there in the children's ministry, and then teach the children's church on Sunday morning. So with those two things being the focus pretty much of my life, um, this class comes out of the heartbeat of what I believe. And I'm pretty sure that that's exactly why you're sitting here, because you believe that parents need to be equipped to bring their children to Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And interspersed within some of the stuff we're talking about, we're going to be doing some activities. These activities are not for you to take home and use in your Sunday school class or your children's church or any of those wonderful little object lessons. These are designed for you to take and when you have an opportunity to share these with parents and say these are things that you can do with your kids that are a different spin on the traditional family devotion. But they're getting kids involved and making things fun. So what I need real quick are six volunteers. Just run up to the table and stand in front of a toothpaste tube. Come on, you've been sitting all day. You're tired. You might as well come. It's going to be fun, I promise. Okay. We've got one, two, three, four, five. Anybody else want a chance to get out some aggression? All right, there we go. Wow. All right, here he comes. Brave man. All right, now, I have for you, I'm going to have a little contest. I have a dollar bill here. All right. When I say go, you can take the cap off of your toothpaste tube, and I want you to squish out every single bit of toothpaste into the big part of that plate. Okay? Every single bit, there can't be any toothpaste left in it. The first person who thinks there's done, you have to throw up your hands and holler done. Okay, are you ready? And we just get to watch them have fun. All right, on your mark. Get set, go. Okay, squish it all out. Now, can you imagine as a parent handing your child a tube of toothpaste and telling them they can squish it all out? I mean, that's cool. Moms don't do that. They say, you know, squish it from the bottom and put the lid back on. So they're doing pretty good. All right, out it comes. That's kind of gross, actually. Oh, I heard the man first. All right, I must inspect his tube. Okay, that's pretty good. He got his dollar. There you go, sir. All right, now, we have part two of this challenge. In my other, ooh, yeah, that kind of fell. In my other pocket, I have a $20 bill. Now, you have exactly two minutes. To actually, no, we'll make it 30 seconds. To replace every bit of that toothpaste back into the tube. 
Anybody who can put every bit of the toothpaste back in the tube may have my $20 bill. Okay, you're not even trying. Not even trying. It's 20 bucks. Imagine you're eight. You're going to do everything in your power. Okay. I use the Okay, you can use the stick. You can use the stick. All right, and you let them go on for a while. Obviously, you may all stop. This activity is rigged. It's not going to happen. But, yeah, except now you have minty fresh fingers. since you were so helpful. Go ahead and pick yourself a small piece of candy, but I'm keeping my 20. <laughs> now, then you sit down as a family after you've done this with your kids and you say, you know what? That's just like the power of words. They come out of your mouth. You speak them, but you cannot take them back. And then we bring our kids into the scripture, into the word. Now, it's a fun little activity to do in children's church, but how much more powerful coming from mom and dad who will give you no money and suddenly they're offering you big money even though you can't really have it because it's an impossible stacked event. But you've got parents engaging their children in activities and that's what we want to happen. I want to take you to some statistics very quickly about parents and children and how they're involving each other. First, how are we doing with this training of children? Says so fewer than 10% of parents who regularly attend church with their kids read the Bible together, pray together, other at mealtimes, or participate in an active service as a family unit. This next part is the one that gets me. However, three out of four of those same church parents believe they are doing well when it comes to providing a regular regimen of spiritual experiences and instruction to their children. We all think it's the other family that's not doing it. Um, look at these next two. More than four out of five parents believe they have the primary responsibility for the moral and spiritual development of their children. But more than two out of three of them abdicate that responsibility to their church. Only one out of every 20 families has any type of worship experience together with their kids other than while they are at church during a typical month. I want you to look closely right here at these two, two statistics. Among kids 8 to 12 years old, one-third spend about 31 hours per week with their mom and an average of 23 hours weekly with their dad. A great majority of this time is spent driving to and from various activities, which I can attest to, soccer, ballet, and all of those things, you know, sometimes when you feel like a taxi driver as a parent. But the average person between the ages of 8 and 18 spends approximately 44 and a half hours each week engaging with some form of media. Our kids are tied, spending time with their parents equally with engaging with some form of media. Now, this is where as children's ministers and youth ministers and senior pastors, this is something that cannot be ignored. There are three tiers of influence in a child's life. The first and primary tier, thankfully, are parents. They're right up there with the media. The second tier is schools and siblings. Church comes in third. If we think that children are going to be spiritually trained just by attending church once a week, it's not going to happen. We don't even count first. We're down there on number three. And let me go ahead and stop there for a minute. 
So just looking at the statistics and looking at those things, and I know choir here preaching to it because you're here because you believe this. I mean, I am passionate about children's ministry. I love what I do on Sunday morning. I love bringing those kids to Christ, but it's not enough. It's absolutely not enough. And I have come to the conclusion that not just teaching the kids, I'm going to have to teach their parents as well. Because some of them desperately want to teach their children. They're just not exactly sure how, how to do that. Now, another really great time, and Scott and Adam, if you could help me up here, they're going to bring you all by some candy in just a minute. Another really great time that we can encourage parents to engage their children is at mealtime. Parents and families are so busy that it's so hard to tell parents, you know, this is something you need to do, and automatically we think, oh, that's another thing. So if we can use the time we're already spending with our children and teach parents to utilize every... Pass out the candy. Yep, let's start. So if you have a particular preference, feel free to tell them. Because we are going to simulate dinner time. It should be like children's church. You get what you get. And you don't, don't throw, throw a fit. I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> they came to my class, so they can throw a fit if they want to. All right, so we're going to simulate dinner time here. When else do you get to eat Reese's and you know Hershey bars and Whoppers for dinner time? So the family's sitting around, and one thing I like to stress to families is this doesn't mean, because in my house, if it means it has to be a home-cooked meal every night, we're in trouble. But that's okay. We can be sitting around the chicken nuggets, which happens way too often (laughs) at our house, but that's okay. We're together. All right? So we're sitting there together. What I'd like for you to do, and you can eat your candy at any time, because we're just simulating mealtime here together. So as you're eating, like you to get with some of the people next to you for just a minute and tell them the best part of your day today, kind of the high point of your day, and then share with them the lowest point of your day today. So the high point of your day and the low point of your day. Yes, just one high point and one low point of your day. For example, the high point of your day was when you walked through that door and knew you were coming to this class. (laughs) Or maybe the low point of my day is that it wasn't the high point of your day. So take a minute and just share with the person next to you. Okay, has everybody had a moment to kind of share, to talk? A lot of times when we are encouraging families, we're encouraging parents to engage with their children, to talk to their kids at mealtime. And what typically happens is we'll say, how was your day? Fine. What did you do at school? Nothing. You know, and so this is just a, just a fun little game to play that you say, what's the best thing that happened, the high point of your day? And then what was the low point of your day? And not only are the children sharing, but the parents are sharing. So you're having a chance to share the struggles, the good things, the bad things that happen. Requires no prep. You're just sitting around, but you begin to discuss as a family. And then things come out, that low point of the day. Well, can we pray about it? You know, is it, has something happened that we can pray about together as a family? So again, you're just teaching parents, use the time you've got. Jump in there. It's just another thing you can do. Now, the Bible is absolutely full of scriptures that we want to use to really remind parents of their responsibility and to remind us 
of their responsibility because sometimes as church workers, we get extremely proud of ourselves, you know, because I am teaching these children. I remember it's been a couple of years ago, but um, several of our kids went to youth camp and somebody came back and in Sunday school class, they're saying they were telling us at youth camp all the stuff the kids from Chatsworth Church know. And we know it's because you and I sit there and I go, oh, well. You know, you know they, yeah, yeah. and inside I'm going, yes, my kids knew stuff. Well, in reality, it should have very little to do with me and everything to do about their parents and what they're learning at home. But as a children's minister, I'm kind of proud of what I'm teaching them. And, you know, sometimes we give that impression that, yes, I am here to teach your children. Look to me. I am the expert. And I think we are part, as children's leaders, part of the guilty party that has caused this attitude to say that church is where we learn and not in the home. And let's look at the scriptures and see. And what I, I'm going to need a couple people to help me. So if you just feel inspired, all right, that means you look around and nobody else is coming. You're inspired. All right, as I read the scripture, if you'll come grab the scripture reference and stick it somewhere on your body. Now, keep in mind, I work with children. Noses are good, foreheads are good, you know, all that kind of stuff. So just grab it, stick it up the reference on some part of your party, and go stand over there for me. Okay? So let's start with the first one. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6 4. Somebody who wants to own that scripture? I'm running. That's good. It's a, it's a man verse here, so I'm all for it. All right, so find it, stick it on you, and come stand right over there. Okay, the next one. Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel, and he said to them, Set your heart on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe, all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. Anybody want to claim that one? Running. Come on, Kathy. I, she's in the front and I know her name, thus she wins. <laughs> okay, next. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. Yes, somebody came right away. <laughs> All right. And the next one. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. All right, there she comes. All right, now this is your last chance. Last chance. Here it comes. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded to our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Come on, this is your last chance. She comes ready. There she comes. All right, I'll even hand it to you. All right. Okay. Now, I want you to look at them for me. 
All right. These Bible verses we've heard, I have a feeling those of you who have worked with children and youth very much have quoted them. In fact, one of the, this particular one, we've got a phrase from it on a big banner at the entryway of our church as soon as you come in. But sometimes we hear them and we don't make them a part of us. I just is a visual reminder. One of those verses said, bind them on your forehead, you know, tie them, put them on your doorpost, everywhere you are. Let these verses become who you are. That's what we want parents to do. Nowhere in those scriptures did it say, church leaders, tell this to the people and they will keep going. It doesn't work that way. We have been blessed by God to be put in a place where we can help. But we're not the ones responsible primarily. It is the parents. And we've got to teach them to take this to the heart. My very favorite verse is the one in Deuteronomy that says, this is not a futile thing for you. This is your life. Because of all the things that I do in the world, when I stand in heaven, if two little girls aren't there and there, what's the point? What's the point? And that's what we need to help children learn. Thank you, Bible verse people. I'll let them sit down. They did do good. All right. Now the only blank in your whole outline. Don't you like me? I'm only making you fill in one blank on the whole thing. And here it is. God has set up the church as a place of training, fellowship, and accountability. It was not designed to replace the parents as the primary disciplers of their children. Church, I love church. Church is where I am, trust me, all the time. I love my family at church. I love everything about my church. It's an awesome place. You should come visit us sometime. But my church is not there to raise my children. God put me there. The fact of the matter is, we've heard the phrase, it takes a village. And if you allow the village to raise your children, then they may be like the village. And hopefully that's a great place, which is your church. But there's a whole village out in the world that wants to take over our children. And so we need to help parents take back their ground. Say, hey, these are our kids. Nobody else can have them. And it's not enough just to preach this because as you saw from the statistics, you ask any church parent, whose responsibility is it to teach your children about God? It's mine. We all know that intellectually. Parents know that. But we've got to do more than know it. And we've got to do more than say it. But we've got to help people make this happen and make it a reality. There are actually seven things that I've chosen. I'm sure there are a lot more. But these are obstacles that people see, perceived obstacles that cause us to say, well, I know I'm supposed to be training my children. And these are churches or parents that can say these things. One is that families are so busy. There's no time for one more thing on their to-do list. Another one is parents don't know how to spiritually train their children. You know, I know parents are supposed to, but they don't know how, so I have to. Another one is parents believe that taking their children to church 
fulfills their responsibility to train their children. Hey, I take my kids to church. You know, I get them there. I'm, I'm teaching them something by just taking them there. Parents and children worship separately in most services. And keep in mind the perspective. I'm coming from one of those people who leads one of those separate services. I like children's church. I like Wednesday night Bible club. But there's got to be a way to connect it to family. Another one, parents are not believers in Christ. How can a parent who's not a Christian be responsible for the spiritual formation of their child? Next two, many children are being raised by a single parent with little or no influence from the other parent. And this one, which we hear a lot, basically it's the long version of if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my kid. Parents say, all my parents did was bring me to church. I turned out okay. You know, it works for me, so probably going to work for my kid. These are some obstacles and some barriers that when you're talking about this that you will hear. So what I'd like to do is kind of just let you group together as best we can. I've got, the, I've got these written on poster board. I'd like for you to talk for just a few minutes. Either you can do this one of two ways. Just come up with a statement that refutes that problem. You know, for example, you've got um, families are so busy, there's no time for one more thing on their to-do list. Well, a statement to refute that would be, how can you not do this? I mean, this is eternal implications here. Or give a suggestion. Okay, well, how do we help? If this is the problem, how can we fix it? So see if you can come up with either th three statements or three suggestions of how to fix this obstacle. Um, just You can mix and match those if you want to. But let's just get some dialogue going and talk a little bit about how we can make this work. All right, and I'm going to go ahead and read the obstacle again, and then I'm going to let the person kind of share with us what their group came up with. This one has parents and children worship separately in most services. So what can we do about that? Okay, we had, like, um, we were just talking about it with her daughter. Her daughter was, for the first time, we allowed kids on our stage. Okay, we were kind of a traditional church trying to break out of it. So um, her daughter came up on the stage, and she sung, Yes, Lord. And we're just thinking maybe incorporating children into the services because, like I told her, if she wasn't a member of our church, she would want to come and heard her daughter singing for the first time. You know, that's one way to get them talking and, oh, really? You're, you're singing on stage now, you know, and that'll just draw them closer together. That was just one of them. Um, have a parent, like have like a parent um, of the, um, let's see what it says, have a parent like once a month, have like the parents come into your, the children's ministry. That way they can ask questions when they get back. You know, like, well, why did y'all color the macaroni red? You know, so the parents can involve the children into, you know, into their lesson and their little world. And that'll bring more questions and conversations together. Excellent. And have everyone's, oh, during worship, you know how everybody stands in their little comfort zone and claps? Have everybody step out into the aisles instead of standing in the little pew. Everybody in the church get out of the pews. Because that gets everybody in one category. Everybody's equal. Everybody's moving. Okay, great. Some really good ideas. Thank you. Okay, here we have the parents were sent to church by their parents, and they turned out just fine. As a Christian parent, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 9 commands us to teach our own children. So it's like they would have to argue with God. So. <laughs> That's a good one. You want to argue with God? He's so 
had to do it. <laughs> and I would add there, too, um, this summer, my daughter, we were um, outside, and she climbed a tree, and she went a little higher than she should have. And I'm like, I really don't think that's a good idea. And about that time, down she comes falling out of the tree. And it was a substantial fall. It scared mom really bad. But she was okay. Does that mean I'm going to encourage her to climb that tree again? No, I just got really lucky. And maybe by the grace of God, you turned out okay. But we're not living in the same world. And our kids need something else. So, all right, next one. Families are so busy. There's no more time for one more thing on their to-do list. Well, we said the most important thing is to tell parents to set priorities. I mean, if you're running them all around to all of these activities that have no bearing on their eternal life, you need to look at your priorities. Um, another thing that we talked about is that it doesn't take a lot of extra time if you're creative. Um, you know, if you're a working parent and you're only there for dinner, well, then, by golly, that's the time um, to spend some quality time with the Lord and with your children. And then, finally, um, to look at it as an investment in your children and your family. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Okay, and then we have right here another obstacle. Parents do not know how to spiritually train their children. You know, I know parents should do it, but they don't know how. So what are we going to do? Um, one thing that we said was join a group for parenting skills or training up your child within your church. And if there's not one and you feel that there should be one, then maybe you are the one to start that. Um, the Word, I mean, it tells us every everything that we have question of, the Word answers for us. She's given us several scriptures that back up what we need to be doing. And Christian books are out there for parenting. Um, and also ask a mentor, a pastor, or a leader. Um, some people may not have been mentored, as you said earlier, from their own parents for Christ. So somewhere along the line, there should have been someone doing that, whether it was your pastor or your worship leader or your youth leader, or your children's minister. Somebody was helping you along the way. So maybe you go back to them and ask for their wisdom and their knowledge. Excellent. Very good. I knew there'd be good ideas out here. <laughs> okay, another obstacle. And this is a big one. The parents are not believers in Christ. What are we going to do? Well, we discussed and we said get the parents involved in the kids' activities at church. Or even outside the church. We have activities for the kids outside the church. The kids are going to be excited. They go home and tell the parents. Maybe the parents will get excited and come and see what we're all about. The second one is home visits from children's church leaders, or even take some kids with you to the home and let the parents know and encourage the parents and talk to the parents about Jesus and what their kid is uh, involved in church, and that might spark a fire. Excellent. And we also said send scripture verses home for parents, for send scripture verses home from the child to the parents, and that the parents have to help them learn the Bible verses. And hopefully, God and the child will get that parents, those parents excited and say, "Why, my child is, you know, he's coming home with these Bible verses and they reading it and they studying and they going back and forth conversing, you know, trying to learn these Bible verses and hopefully, you know, hey, I want to go and see what, what this church is all about. I want to go and see. 
Because my child is excited. I see a new thing in, this, in my child. I see a difference in his actions. And I want to go see what's going on. Excellent. Very good. And I like the way they did that because everything included the parent. We need to be very careful, even when we have a parent who is not a Christian, that they are that child's parent. And if we treat them with respect and go to them, you know, just automatically, you know, this is what your child is learning at church. We thought you should know you're their parent. Tell the kids, you know, and tell all of your kids, go home and tell your parents about what you learned in church. You know, everything they said is, is excellent. And just treating the parents with respect, giving them knowledge. Obviously, if the child has a parent who is not a believer in Christ, then God has placed us in the parent position to be spiritual mothers and fathers for them. But that doesn't change the fact that they do have a mom or a dad. And we need to give that person the respect of who they are. Okay, uh, next one. Many children are being raised by a single parent with little or no influence from the other parent. We talked about um, offering the parent um, Mother's Day out to give the parent a break and then to offer the child a, a big brother to minister to them or like a, a father figure or our parent figure. Excellent. Very good. To meet the need of the home while they're there to give the parent. That was very good. Excellent. Okay, and then we have, I think we have a holder and a talker. Is that right? <laughs> Parents believe that taking their children to church fulfills their responsibility to spiritually train their children. Are you the voice? The Word of God says that uh, we ought to train them, our children in the way that they ought to go. So with that, we talked about um, asking the parents um, if God only abides in the church. What happens in the home life? You know, how are we exhibiting that God is everywhere? You know, what is it exactly that we're teaching our children? Um, also, just remind the parents that the child is only coming to church once a week. So what are they getting throughout the remainder of the week? If we also talked about um, teaching them to have a personal relationship, that is also the parent's responsibility, not just the, the, the church's responsibility. So, Excellent. Give yourselves a hand. Those, that was great. Very good. Get your minds thinking. And Scott, if you'll begin to pass out. We've got one more handout for you that I mentioned that he's going to pass out. And the first part we're going to go through is what can the church do to help parents? We're going to talk about specifically, okay, as youth workers, as children's workers, as pastors, what can I do to incorporate family and parents? The second part of it are going to be some ideas that you can take home, and if you're doing a parent training or something, that you can actually share with parents. Okay, so everybody got their handout there. We get all those passed out? Okay. Then what I want to do, the handout is kind of divided up into four sections. One involves training. One involves resources, information sharing, and involvement. All right, so we're going to get in there right away and start with the training activities. Let me just fire it. So while children are in children's ministry, you can provide classes for parents. Be specific about how they can pass on their face to their children. Give homework, fun homework. All right, what I'm saying, like family activities like we've done here tonight. Get together. Get a bunch of parents. You know, all the kids are in Bible club on Wednesday night, or all the kids are at Sunday school. So you offer a class for parents. 
And you get them in there and make them do goofy stuff like this that I've been making you do. And then you say, okay, this week I want you to go home. Do two of these with your kids. Then let's come back next week and talk about did this work? You know, because so often we tell parents, you need to do family devotions with your children. Well, they don't know where to begin, so they pull out their Bible, they try and read Scripture, and their kids are yawning, and everybody's flopping. But if you've squished all the tube out of the toothpaste, and then you read about the power of words, it's got some connections. But you need to give parents somewhere to go, hold them accountable, then come back together and talk about it. It's a great way to do it. Then another thing you can do is work with parents to create a yearly spiritual goals plan. I'm going to tell you what that is in just a moment. Again, hold each other accountable at regular intervals throughout the year. It can, they can be complicated, but it can be something as simple as, let's say a family has a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. We've got three children. You say, let's sit down. What are six Bible stories that you're going to commit to teaching your children this year? So everybody sits around, they brainstorm, you know, and they come up with, well, I really want my kids this year. You know, I've got some girls, and I want to teach them about Esther and about how God used her. And I want my girls to know that God can use them. So, you know, one of mine's going to be Esther. So you go through and maybe pick six Bible stories, Bible characters that you want to focus on in your family this year. Then say, okay, I need six Bible verses that we're going to learn as a family together. And you can choose those based upon the values that you believe your children need at that age level or struggles that they've been having. But these are going to be our, our family verses this year. And then, okay, I know we're supposed to be serving together. Does anybody else struggle with that? I know I'm supposed to be serving with my children, but fitting it in and when to do it sometimes gets lost in the hustle and bustle. But if you're sitting down as a group of parents of the church and you're making this plan, you say, this year... We're going to do two things. We are going to do the Helping Hands for Kids project. You know, we're going, to, we're going to, you know, check on that, and we're going to help our kids raise money for Egypt. That's one thing we're going to do this year. The other thing is in our community, at Thanksgiving time, they feed needy families. Our whole family is going to go down and feed the needy families. You get parents to write this down. They could do it in 30 minutes. I mean, you really could. And you get together and you start brainstorming. You get parents together of equal eight, similar age children. You know, the parents of teenagers can get together because theirs are going to be very different than of children. You just make out a plan. And then you meet maybe once a quarter with parents and say, How, you know that thing we wrote in here? How's it going? You know, are we really doing this? Getting back, I mean... Check it off. You know, are you doing this? How are you teaching your kids this? Did you read in the Bible story? Did you draw a big mural on the wall? You know, how, how are you doing this? You could talk about ways to accomplish it. Then at the end of the year, throw a family party. You know, every family. And I mean, honestly, what excitement to come in as a family and say, we know these six Bible verses. My kids know these six Bible characters, who they are, how they knew God, frontwards and backwards. We did these two projects together. But it's a lot harder to do this alone. If you've just got a group of parents in your church and you're making this plan together, but the key is to hold each other accountable and to not just tell somebody to do it without doing it with them. So that's another really good thing that you can do. Okay, now resources. Provide parents or regularly provide parents with articles, websites, or books about parent involvement in spiritual training. 
And in the age in which we live, email is a wonderful thing. Forward those articles that you can find or websites or, you know, just find things. We look for things, little ideas to teach kids and teenagers all the time. We need to start looking for ideas to share with parents and just get it out there. Send out a survey and ask your parents, okay, you know, or even just get together and say, what are some things that you need help with? How can I help you? You know, what kind of stuff do you need? Send out a survey, get together, then talk about it. Just sit down at your church and say, what do we do? You know, would it help you for us to have a class about this? Do you need help with family devotions? Do you need help thinking of projects to do as a family, as service? You know, where are the needs at? And then on Mother's Day, Father's Day, back to school Sunday, we're really good about giving the flower to the mom. Or, I don't know what you give dad. That one's always really hard. The pen. You know, whatever the little trinket. Back to school Sunday, we're always giving kids the crayons and the paper and the pencils that they probably have anyway. Instead, think about using those opportunities to provide a resource for parents to spiritually train their children. I have tons of stuff up here, well not tons, but my personal favorite stash anyway, of things that parents can use. Some of them are books, but some things are as inexpensive as this little book right here. It's called Keys for Kids. If a parent orders just one copy, it's free. Absolutely, completely free. And it has a little devotional for each day. There are really cute little stories in there. And then kind of a little summary at the bottom. And then there's also some journaling. If you want to order them, you know, if you, if you think that's going to be a problem getting, you know, parents in your church to order them, you can order bulk and they're a dollar a piece. And they'll come to you. This one's good, there's, this one's good for the whole month of November and December. And so it's just a really inexpensive way. You know, you can tell parents for Mother's Day, we got you a subscription to this magazine and it's cost you like a dollar. But it's just a much more efficient use of our resources. To do that for parents. This, by the way, they're called Keys for Kids. Um, and if you just, let's see, keysforkids.org is where you can order those at. And then also you can get just little things if you want to invest just a little bit more money in things. This is a what's called an audio drama. This one's Adventures in Odyssey. And these has four little stories that you can put in a CD player when you're driving down the road. We don't get Anywhere. In fact, it drives me crazy after a while because the second the car turns on, can you put on Adventures in Odyssey? This is the first words out of my children's mouth every time we get in the car. But this little tool right here has done more to train my children and sparked more conversations than I could even begin to tell you. And it's actually a God a God intervention in our family because it, you know, my children are 362 days apart. They're very close. Life gets hectic. Life gets crazy. And sometimes I just want to sit in the car when I'm driving some, them somewhere and just have it quiet. And we had purchased one of those lovely DVD players that you put in your car and they got old enough to wear headphones life was sweet. Oh, I was proud because they would get in the car. I would stick in Cinderella. They'd put their headphones in wherever we were going. It was silent and I had peace and I was happy. But God had a better plan because we were going down the road. My daughter wanted the movie switched out. I told her to switch it out. Neglected to tell her how to do it. She yanked the thing open and broke it. Now mom is of course not happy about this. 
that it's broken, not knowing that God ordained this broken event, because now I don't have my DVD player. And so I'm rummaging through the house, trying to find something to keep him occupied in the car, and I find one of these that we had gotten. So I shove it in the little CD player, and I'm like, that's kind of cool. You know, they've got really good little lessons on here and teaching the kids. And we began to listen, and I began to order more and more and more. And one good Friday, we were headed down the road, and we were listening to one. Actually, I was afraid it was going to be too much for him because it got into the Druids and human sacrifice. And I was like, what have I done? They're like four. And then from the back seat, my four-year-old pipes up, it's Good Friday. Mommy, what's a sacrifice? And I was like, okay, God, I get it. You know, and has sparked more conversations with my kids. So car time has become a time to train them. The people in these stories, by the way, are part of our family at this point. They will tell me they're listening. That's not like them at all. She doesn't usually act that way. But it has become a train tool. But give parents one of these as opposed to their flower. And then it might spark something in them. These are called Adventures in Odyssey. They're through Focus on the Family. You can get huge sets, which are like this, which have like 15 hours, which trust me. It is targeted for 8 to 12-year-olds, but my children have been listening since they were 3 and 4. There's a few that um, you just kind of look at, and they'll usually warn you. There's usually a little asterisk on the back that says contains um, more mature material kind of thing. But overall, we've never had any problems, and they're, again, younger than the target age. But yeah, even older kids like them, which makes it really cool. And you can order just a small one, a sampler one, to give parents. Okay, then information sharing. Provide parents with information about what their children and youth are learning in church. Often the take-home papers never make it home. So for a while in the bulletin, I did a bulletin insert that says, this week in children's ministry, or this week in youth ministry. And it summarized the main Bible story in every Sunday school class, said what they were learning in children's church, so that the parents know what's going on. Because you need, we need to be reinforcing that in both places. Senior pastors preach the message from the pulpit that this is important, but then youth and children's pastors, let's model it. If we say parents are important, then we've got to be involving parents. That means getting them the information about what their, their children are learning. Now this one I love. Include sermon discussion points for families every Sunday in the bulletin from the senior pastor's sermon. We tell kids all the time, Tell your parents what you learned in Sunday school. Or it's the, it's the standard drill in our house. We're on the way home from church. What'd you learn in Sunday school? You know, or what you, I can ask what you learned in children's church, and they'll look at me and say, Mommy, you know you taught us. You know, but it's the standard question. But instead, also have the parents telling their children, Hey, this is what the pastor preached about this Sunday. This is what I learned. And then have discussion points in the bulletin that are age-appropriate. To talk about your kids. You know, the pastor, if you're preaching about grace, you know, you can share these things. This is, takes a little work, a little tricky, but how neat would it be? This could even work really well on the services where families are together. Like on, on Sunday night, our, our whole congregation worships together, children and adults. And so then you've got, you know, this is the sermon. Here's some things that you can talk about. Because sometimes parents don't know how to do that. And then at the end of adult Bible classes... You know, when the kids are off 
on Wednesday night or wherever, take five minutes at the end of the class and say, okay, this is what we've learned. How are we going to share this with our kids this week? So that they know that faith isn't just about teaching them. Faith is about me growing and me learning as a parent. So I think it's really important that we share with kids what we're learning. You know, and so if parents think honestly about that and then pick up the phone and call parents, praise their kids, particularly teenagers. I mean, come on. How many parents of teens get a nice phone call? You know, saying, so impressed with what your kid did. This is just really, really neat. It's an old fact, and it doesn't even have to be the phone. It can be an email, text message, move it really fast. You know, but don't just know all the teenagers' numbers, know their parents' numbers, and just tell them some good things about their kids, what are happening. Then ask the youth and children's workers to email parents weekly. Just a quick follow-up to the lesson. You know, if you're a Sunday school teacher, say, just send an email and say, today, you know, this Sunday we talked about worshiping God through our time and using our time wisely. So, you know, try and encourage your kids to use their time wisely. You're connecting with parents and you're giving them a jump-off point to talk to their kids. And then this is works really good for younger children, is to have parents pick up their children from ministry sessions rather than just kind of let them go when church is over. Um, make sure that parents are picking them up and then say, you know, save those papers and give them, put them directly in the hands of the parent or tell them. But even, I will tell you this, even when I put things in the hands of parents and even when people put things in the hands of me at church, things are going and you're busy and I get home and I know somebody handed it to me and I don't know what I did with it and I'm really sorry and I meant to be better, but I wasn't. That's why those quick emails, you know, later on, the next day, Monday morning, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that with my kid. That's what they learn are so important. It's not that people don't want to. It's just life gets in the way. And so we've got to intervene into life. And then finally, involvement. Set up mentoring relationships for single parents and older parents in the congregation. So if you've got single parents who are there... Set them up with some parents who have already raised their kids and say, Let, let's come alongside you. Let's help you with this. Provide family activities throughout the year. Now, this is a big one. These events should encourage communication, activity, and fun within the family. They should not be events where adults talk, kids play, and the teenagers separate. Too often we have fellowship time. And the grown-ups sit at the table and we fellowship. And we pray the kids don't break something or go in the sanctuary and play the drums when they're not supposed to. Or, you know, they kind of, the kids are playing and the teenagers are off doing those things. That's not a, fa- it's fun. But it's not a family activity. You're not encouraging communication. So you want to have a few activities where everybody is working together. We do that through movie nights at our church. Really simple, fast to put together. But made it clear from the beginning, this is Family movie night. you got to bring somebody with you, a grown-up with you. Now, obviously, you're going to have to assign children whose parents may not bring them. So if a child comes, you know, and you say, well, okay, you're going to join this family tonight. Or our most recent one, a mom called me and said, I've got to work late. Can my two kids come? Of course they can come. Over there, I didn't just let them run around. They became part of somebody else's family. And then we watch about half the movie, and then we do some crazy something in the middle that usually makes the parents look really dumb and makes the kids really, really happy. 
but it's encouraging them just to interact. My personal all-time favorite was we put one of the parents up front and shaving creamed a beard on them, and then their children got to throw cheese puffs at their face and see how many cheese puffs stuck. What kid is not going to love throwing a cheese puff at their parents' face? (laughs) But you are encouraging activities. I have parents come in and say, okay, I just know you're going to humiliate me tonight. Just go ahead and do it. But, you know, we have relays, you know, but it's all with the parents and the kids engaging with each other. That's what we want. And then consider having intergenerational services. You need to actively plan to integrate the children and youth into the service. Not just cancel children and youth services and have them join the adults. Too often we say, okay, family worship tonight. We're all going to be together. And it's church as usual with just the kids and the youth in there with us. If we want to have intergenerational worship, if we want everybody engaged together, and I'm not saying put kids on the stage as a show, because that is the one thing that grates on my last nerve. They are not there to show. They are there to worship. But if I have children who are genuinely good at singing and leading worship, they could join the praise team. But if I have children that just like to move and make noise, let them play the rhythm instruments. Not just be up front performing, but pass out rhythm instruments to the kids. Let them do it. You know, you've got teenagers there. Let one of them read the, read the scripture. And then you've got to plan differently. The sermon has got to be all age appropriate. But then you can stop in the middle of a sermon, novel idea, and say, hey, talk about this in your family. And have some of the senior adults who don't, you know, you can create families. We have done that. We've started with the core family and then added people in to join them. And then at prayer time, when we give the typical altar call, incorporate something else. Say, tonight we've got three options for prayer. And I want you to go as a family. Over here, draw a picture of what your family needs to pray about this week. Then you've got parents and kids engaged in that. At another station, come over here. You know, we're going to join hands as a family and ask each person maybe to step in the middle, share what they're struggling with, have people lay hands on them. But you are planning this service with your youth and your children in mind. You don't just have them there to watch what we grown-ups do all the time. But we are actively involving. That's what an intergenerational service is all about. And that's when kids and adults are worshiping together, which is absolutely incredible when it happens well. And then ask parents to attend Sunday school, children's church, midweek clubs, or youth service or activity with their children at least once a year. It's really cool when parents come in to see what we're doing in children or in youth ministry. They don't have to make a big fuss of it, make a big show of it, but just let them see what's happening so they can kind of have an idea of what to do at home. You know, kind of work with their kids. And then encourage parent participation in children and youth ministry. Be creative. Participation does not always mean teaching or leading. There are some parents that that is not their gifting. They don't need to be in front of all the little children teaching them. Some of them are not even qualified. But... Can they prepare the snacks? Can they write? I 
I have a hundred props when I do children's ministry. If I had a parent who told me they would prepare all my props, I would like love them for the rest of my life. You know, so come up with little things that will involve parents in what their children are doing and what their children are learning in church. What we want to do with everything we do is connect the church with home. We're not out there isolated. Parents shouldn't be out there isolated. That's what a church is for. For me to say, hey, as a mom, I'm struggling. I need help. Can you help me? And so we get in there and we help each other. Those are some ideas that churches, let me just check my time. We're doing good. Um, those are churches can do, that we can connect home and church. Now, your next section of the outline are actually things that families, ideas for families. So if you're having a training time with parents or you're just sitting around and talking and parents are saying, you know, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Or do any of you have the great uncle somewhere that when you have the family reunion praise and all the food is cold by the time they're done? No one's going to admit to it. We have them. Yeah. And so a lot of times people have that negative thing or Christmas morning, nobody could open a single present until the Christmas story was read. You know, we don't want negative attitudes. So we got to approach this in a new way, a fun way. So these are some things that you can encourage parents or those of you that parents can do. And they fall into, let me see if I can move this slide for us. They're going to fall into these categories. The first is modeling. Parents have got to model. The second is formal instruction, which is something we often skip. Prayer, creative applications, and personal experiences. Let me move us through this. Modeling. Let children see you having a regular devotion time with God. And then teach them how to have their own time with God. A lot of times we tell them to do it. But how do we do it? There's some great resources that parents can use. I already showed you this one, which is a simple devotion book. But this is one that I loved, even with little bitty babies. It's called Playtime Devotions. And it has actually a little Bible verse. And then some sort of little, this is just a little patty cake game to play. And then a little verse to say at the end. But even as little bitty children, parents can instill in them, you know, this is the time that we spend talking to God. My youngest is still working on her reading skills. She's doing, doing well, but she can't read the Bible on her own. So I'll sit with her, and we have this real simple little, little story she'll read, and I'll say, okay, what did you learn from this today, and what can you pray about? She hates the one on obedience. I like to pick that one a lot. (laughs) But I'm trying to teach her to say, okay, this is how you have a devotion. You'll read something. What did I learn from this? How can I apply it to my life? But we got to teach kids how to do that. And then always model a positive attitude towards church and fellow Christians. They hear way sooner than we want them to. So that's really important. And then this one, we have to remind parents, be the Christian you want your child to become. Um, Just threw me off for a minute. But if you consider the Christian that you are right now, if your child grew up to be just like you, everything do their Christianity like you, would you be happy? If you wouldn't, then you got to change yourself first. And then... We bring our children along with us on that journey. We be honest. We say, hey, I need to be reading my Bible some more. 
will you help me? Let's sit down together. I'm going to read my Bible. Even if they're not old enough to read, I'm going to give you this coloring page about David. You work on this and mom's going to read her Bible and meet with God. So that's really important with modeling. Now, formal instruction is something we often forget. That's left up to church or school. You know, that's where they make lesson plans and teach. But we, and I've heard this word a hundred times this weekend, intentional. If we don't plan it, we're not going to do it. So that's why it comes in. That's really great to have a group of parents at your church who meet on a Wednesday night or wherever and come up with plans together. But have regular family nights. Commit to say, okay, twice a month we're going to get together and we're going to do one of these goofy activities that we've done up here. We're going to put the glove on, try and catch coins. We're going to smoosh out the toothpaste. Or, you know, We're going to do one of those activities and we're going to make it fun. Now, I've got one more thing that I want to show you and I'm going to need a helper to make this work. So anyone in here would like to have their mind read? Didn't know I was a mind reader, did you? Well, so anybody volunteer to have their mind read? Okay, here she comes. Now, let me just put a disclaimer. I'm not a professional at this, so, um, you know, you're going to have to work with me, okay? All right, now, I have four questions. That I'm going to ask you. Okay. All right. They're fairly simple questions. And I want you to think about the answer, but I don't want you to tell anybody. And I'm going to connect with you. All right. I'm going to write, I'm going to read her mind. I'm going to write down her answer. All right. Then she's going to tell everybody. When we're done, I'll show you what I've written. And you will see that I'm a true mind reader. Everybody ready? Okay. I want you to think of the name of one of your friends. Don't say it. Just think of it. Got it? Okay. I'm going to write it down. I got it. Okay. I'm done. You saw me write the markers over here. I'm sorry. You're writing what she may be thinking. Yes. I'm writing what she's thinking. Okay. I, I wrote it. I'll, I'll set it right, right over here. Okay. All right. Okay. So tell them that, see, I can't change it. What's the name of your friend? Cassie. Cassie. Okay. All right, here's the next question. Where would you like to go on vacation? Think it, don't speak it. Okay, got it. All right, I am not going to change my answer. I'm putting it right down there. Okay, go ahead. Scotland. Scotland. I like that. Very cool. All right, the next one. If you could buy one thing, no matter how much it cost, what would you buy? <laughs> Think, oh but don't speak. Tell me when you know, because I can't read your mind until you're certain. Okay, hold on, hold on. I hear confusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, come on, come on, settle okay. in your mind. No okay. changing it. Okay, I got it. Okay, I'm, I'm connecting. All right, I got it. Hold on. All right, I'm putting my paper down. All right. Okay. I buy a boat. A boat. <laughs> I like boats too. Boats. A brilliant boat. <laughs> okay. All right. And here's your last question. If you had a choice, between this is easy. Okay. Between going to Disneyland or getting a root canal at the dentist. Oh. What would you choose? Now. Hard. 
You got it? I got it. All right, let me write it down. Okay, done. What would you choose? You'd go to Disneyland. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard her answers. You saw that I did not change them, correct? All right. I'm pulling them out here. Please read. Where would you like to go on vacation? Scotland. I got it. The name of one of her friends? Cassie. Mm-hmm. If you could go to Disneyland or the dentist, which one would you choose? Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And if you can only buy one thing, what would it be? A boat. A boat. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, obviously, I can't read minds. The people up front, I'm sure, could probably see what I was doing. I stacked the deck. And the first thing I wrote was Disneyland because I knew that would be the answer. And then every time she said an answer, I wrote it on the right card the second time. So I did it. Okay. So when little kids are around, you can really impress them with that trick. (laughs) Hey, the big kid back there in the orange, I impressed him with that trick. (laughs) But then you say to your kids, you know, and and they're going to want to try it then. That's the best part. They're going to want to try this out on their friends. But then you talk about, you know, I can't really read your mind. But God can. God knows every thought that's there. So parents are having fun with their kids. They're showing them this neat activity to do. But then they're engaging them in spiritual discussion with them. Um, Real quickly, let me see where we're at. Okay, we're right at time, so I'm just going to go through these really fast. Um, Use a family devotion book, but make it fun. Read a Bible storybook daily to young children. Study the Bible together with older teens. You can kind of read that. Um, Prayer, I'm going to hit the high points here. Provide grandparents or senior adults with a list of family needs and say, hey, I need you to pray about this for my kids. In the evening with prayer as a family, Keep a prayer journal. Um, Lay hands on your children when they are asleep. When my children are facing a particularly tough point in their life, that's what I do. I go in when they're asleep and lay hands. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and you all are, I'm certain, very good readers, so you can go through. Before I let you go, I want to show you a couple things, and you're welcome to come look. Most of the little activities I did tonight came out of this lovely little box. Awesome. It's called Just Add Family. And all a parent has to do is grab a card. It tells you real quickly what you need and how to set it up. As you can see, they're really short. There are this, the, like this one is a family activity. There's some in there for mealtime. There's some in there for bedtime. Just awesome little activities right there. And it's just, it's called Just Add Family. And you're welcome to come. Um, I purchased it from Focus on the Family, but you can try, I had a friend I think who just got it on Amazon. Most of this stuff you can get, I order everything online, so most of it just go through from Focus on the Family, but it actually is through Family Life Publishing, so you can get it through Family Life, I'm pretty sure. Um, this one, I'm just trying to hit the high ones real quick. These are a little, some of these are in fact are out of, yeah, go ahead. Yes, um, and you, those resources are valuable, um, 
They are not. They are not. Yeah, so these are something that you'd have to order. These are out of print, but if you hurry up and run to Amazon.com and get them while they last, um, these are the longer version of those activities. And there is one for holidays. There is one for, I've got the one for um, wisdom. This is from the book of Proverbs. This one is Basic Christian Beliefs, Volume 2. There's a Volume 1. There are discussions for preteens. And again, these are more involved. They're almost, a, but, but each one of these has three or four activities. And again, these are designed for parents. They're not designed for ministry leaders. Uh, the last thing, the last two things actually I want to show you. You've got a resource list in the back, but some of these I'm not sure made the resource list. This is a book called While They Were Sleeping. And it gives you prayers to pray over your children literally while they are sleeping. Um, you know, because sometimes you want to do it, but you don't know where to start. And then these are books that my girls just absolutely love. They're called Bedtime Blessings. These are actually designed for children between about ages 4 and 8, although older kids would actually kind of like them. And they just have a little tiny activity that you do at bedtime. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children. 